Imagine. A long time ago, we used to be able to walk hand in hand with the father in the garden in the cool of the day. What would it look like for you and me to have that again? Great morning, Victory Midtown. Everyone doing all right this morning? Come on, it's a great time to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm excited about this message. I'm excited about this series. And I just want to ask this question. If you've been here for the last two weeks, have you been blessed by the When We Pray series? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. I know I've been blessed by it. And what I want you to know is that as we're going through these things, these are not ideas and ideals that we're just like, okay, we've arrived and we understand it. I'm growing over these last several weeks, and I hope that as we take this journey together that we all grow to a place where God can actually show us some things and reveal some things to us as we're walking through it, getting an understanding about prayer. And before I jump into the message today, I want to do something. I've told you this before, um, and many of you know this because you've actually taken part of it when you're out of town, but... That camera in the back, every Sunday, every service, we're actually streaming uh, live on Facebook, and we're able to see so many people from around the country, even around the world, that are joining us. And today I'm making special mention of it because several people have been asking me, like, where's your wife? Where is she? And I said, well, she's out of town right now, and all of the restaurants around Midtown are happy about that because I've been spending a lot of money getting something to eat because, as you know, I do not cook. But she's been out of town for a couple of days and will be out of town for a couple more days. She's there with her mom uh, taking care of some things. And I just want us to do me a favor and just look back at there and wave at her and put our hands together and say, welcome everybody by Facebook and welcome Kendra. I miss you. God bless you. Well, listen, we're going to jump into this message today. And this is week three of the When You Pray series. And as we're walking through this, the first week we talked about Kiss Me the intimacy of God, making sure that we're not just operating in a formulaic uh, construct of prayer, that it's not just about what we can get from God, but it's about this two-way relationship that we have with him. And then last week, we talked about search me, God, search me, where we're asking God to come into our hearts to reveal some things, the blind spots, the hidden areas, and even the unknown areas that we tend to miss out on unless we ask God to come in. And today, we're dealing with something very, very important. And this particular message, I'm going to be very honest with you, I've, I've kind of been wrestling with it the last several days because what I realize is so many people are dealing with this. So many people are dealing with it. And what we're talking about today is the subject, answer me. Answer me. When I say answer me, what it is, it's a vulnerability of does God actually hear me when I pray? Does God actually care about the things that I pray about? And as we think about this and look through it, the reality is a lot of us know we should pray. A lot of us are praying. And some of us have not even been taught how to pray. But as we're walking through this series, I think that we're all getting an understanding of the importance of if we pray that God does want to hear it. And I want to give you an assurance today that he does want to hear your prayers, that he does want you to keep praying. But so many times we get discouraged. And what I did this week is as we're looking at this, I didn't want this just to be another message, another thing in the queue. So I did some market research to kind of see, you know, what is it that we really need to deal with? How do we need to walk with it? What are the things that people are dealing with? And I did this market research, and as a matter of fact, let me kind of just be real honest, my market research is, aka, I did an Instagram poll. 
That's like the best market research you can do. I did an Instagram poll, and literally this particular time was I got the most responses that I've ever received on an Instagram poll. I believe because this is something that's so prevalent in the minds and the hearts of so many people. And I just want to kind of give you some of the results from that market research that I did to tell you in summary some of the things that a lot of us are dealing with because a lot of you even in this room replied to that poll. Some of the things that were said when I asked, what is it that you think about when you are going to pray? What's actually going on in your mind? What, where is your heart? What is the posture that you're in when you go to pray? And some of the responses were these. Someone said, am I praying long enough and am I completing my list? Have any of us ever thought about that? Some of us like, you know, do I need to get on my knees? Do I need to pray for an hour? If I only pray for 59 minutes and 30 seconds, do I just, you know, miss everything that I was supposed to pray, pray about? The next one said, I don't know that I deserve what I'm praying for, but I believe God can still do it. That's a prevalent mindset because some of us think that we have to be all perfect in order for God to hear our prayers. Another one, this was really big to me, it stuck out. It says, am I ready for what I am asking for? And am I asking for it correctly? Again, you know those prayers you pray right before you go to bed? You're like, okay, I'm tired, Lord. You know, God bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Yeah, God wants to hear our hearts. Yes, there are things that he wants us to do. Yes, there are ways that he wants us to come to him. But a lot of people are struggling with, is he hearing me? And this last one, this one that really stuck out to me the most, it said, I imagine what it would be like if my prayer was actually answered. When I go to prayer, when I think about prayer, I actually go and I say, what would it be like if what I'm actually praying for is answered? And what I realized in that moment when I took this poll and when I got these results is that as believers, we are taught to pray. And many of us go through this and we go through the motions, but we still tend to ask the question, God, will you really answer me? God, will you really answer me? And what I'm here to do is to walk us through some things that will give us more of an assurance more of a confidence, and even make us reevaluate the way we've been praying for years so that we walk in it in the way that he would have us to go. Now, here it is. As I was thinking about this, getting ready for this message, I started to think about children. If you know children, if you have children, if you have nieces or nephews, you know they don't actually hesitate to ask you for anything. They don't hesitate because they have not yet been beat down by life. They have not yet been those ones who have been disappointed when to someone told them they couldn't have that or they couldn't do this. And what it showed me is that sometimes we actually need to transport ourselves back in time and actually take ourselves back with the mindset of childlike faith. This was made very real to me when I was with one of my friends and I happened to go in when he was putting them to bed and he said, okay, son, we're gonna get ready to pray before we go to bed, let's say your prayer. So we all got down, we knelt down on our knees and this little guy, he started to pray. And he prayed the old famous prayer. You know it. Now I lay me down to sleep. Yeah, yeah. He, he started praying that prayer. And I'm sitting there like, okay, you know, he's, he's spiritual. This young man, he knows it. He was like, okay, in his childlike faith, he said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, wake me up, Lord. <laughs> and I looked over, I was like, that's good. And honestly, I have started using that prayer in my life. It's funny, but what I'm thinking about is when he prayed that prayer, he said that, again, what he did was that he was showing that I believe what I'm praying. I believe that if I say something particular, that God will answer my prayer. 
And while some of us might dismiss that as something trivial or something funny, how many of us are really believing what we're actually praying? How many of us that when we say something, when we give petitions to God, are really expecting for him to move? Now, I want to be clear when I'm talking about this thing of if God really hears me. I'm not talking about the prayers that we pray where we say, Lord, can you supernaturally take out all of the gluten out of that box of Krispy Kremes I just ate? Because I was only supposed to eat one. Can you supernaturally take it away? I'm not even talking about this prayer. I might have some witnesses in the room. Have you ever prayed this prayer, especially for all my hustlers, my go-getters, all my high-impact leaders in the room? Have you ever prayed, Lord, at the end of the night, make this five hours of sleep I'm getting ready to get feel like eight? Anybody in here? I prayed that last night. I prayed that last night. I'm talking about really, even though those things are things that we ask and we joke about, I'm really talking about the type of prayers that when your father has been diagnosed with stage four cancer and you start to fast and you start to pray and he still transitions to be in heaven, even though you did everything you can do spiritually. I'm talking about when you pray to God and you know your finances are a little tight when you know things are not kind of meeting, meeting the ends, and you say, Lord, I need a financial breakthrough, but yet and still, you go into work that next week, and you get your pink slip. They let you go. And now you're trying to figure out, how am I going to make it? Now my car is being repossessed. Now my house is going into foreclosure. I'm talking about even those type of prayers when we don't really understand what God is doing. So as we're walking through this, yes, I'm talking about the fact that we need to pray to God and yes, sometimes we feel as if he doesn't come through. Yes, sometimes we feel as like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But the reality is, this is not a tension that is new to God. This tension of us wondering if he's going to come through is not something that he's surprised by. So much so that David, the same David that we talked about last week, that said, Lord, created me a clean heart. Lord, search me. Where God said, this is a man after my own heart. This same David was one who questioned God at some times. And what he was doing is he was showing us that even though you might be full of faith, there is still someone that, that thinks the question, God, are you really there? God, do you really hear me? So I want to kind of give you something because there's a well-known moment of desperation that David gave in the Psalms where Saul was trying to kill him in the wilderness where, his, where Bathsheba, the son that him and Bathsheba had, they, he died. Where even Absalom, his son, came against him and rebelled and was trying to kill him. David, in Psalm 22, he said this, and I believe this is a foreshadowing, foreshadowing of him even giving us an awareness that this is something that you will say also. In Psalm 22, he said this, God, my God, why would you abandon me now? Why do you remain distant? Refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night. I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Now, as I read that, some might look at that as a scripture and just something in a book. But I'm looking at that as something that we might even be faced with ourselves today. Some of us showed up in church today, right here at the 11 o'clock service. You came in saying, God, I need you to move. You came in saying, I need you to flick a light. I need you to show me a sign. I need you to do something to show me that you're still there. And what David was doing in this moment, what he was doing, he was saying, this doesn't make sense to me. You said I'm favored. You said I'm a man after your own heart. 
but why am I going through this? I used to feel very close to you, but now I feel like you're a million miles away and I'm hurting. Can I get an honest church in the room? How many of us feel like that from time to time? I thought I was in the right place today. Because the reality is we have to make sure that we face this because if we don't face it, we can never be honest with God. And if we're never honest with God, we cannot ever connect with God. So I want to let you know, again, this is not a new thought. You're not by yourself thinking about this. You're not someone who is not spiritual enough because you're thinking this. You are just a human who is going through the same thing that David went through and several others. So much so that I want to share something with you because as we're honest, about 60% of the Psalms, they're filled with what is called laments and cries out to God, really searching for where he is. So much so that the, the great theologian that we... Uh, quote a lot, Martin Luther, he was actually a theologian and a monk. He actually called God Deus Abscondatus. That's Latin for the God who goes missing. The God who goes missing or the hidden God. And I don't know about you, but there have been times where I felt like God has started to hide from me. There have been times where I felt like even when I was crying out, he was actually missing. So as we're journeying through this today, I want to do something. I want to set you free today. I want to pardon you from any condemnation that you have had from questioning if God hears you. I want to pardon you from any fear that you've had from saying, Lord, I don't know. I know you know my heart, but I don't really know if I can really be honest with you. And what God is telling us through these scriptures, he's telling us even through his son, I'm about to show you something, even through his son, his son even questioned the father of where are you and are you missing? Right here in Matthew chapter 26, verse 46, even Jesus had moments where he questioned God that if he was going to answer him. The Bible says this, and this is when Jesus felt that death was imminent. He knew that he was going to the cross. He knew that there was no other way. He, it says this, at the three o'clock hour, Jesus shouted with a mighty voice in Aramaic, Eli, Eli, lay my sabachthani. That is, my God, my God. Why have you deserted me? My God, my God, why have you deserted me? And we will be lying to ourselves if we never ask the question, God, where are you and do you even care about what I'm doing? I believe the reason that the Bible gives us these examples of David, of Jesus, is because he knew that we would need this type of image in our lives to be able to say that it's okay. I believe that God knew that we would be walking through some processes that even as spiritual as we think we are, we still need an affirmation that God is right there. And as we look at this, I want to make something very clear because what we're really talking about today when we say answer me is we're talking about the epidemic that a lot of people say, does God even hear me and will he keep my prayers unanswered? So I want to let you know something. God always answers prayer. But here's the caveat it might not come in the response that you've been looking for. There's actually three ways that God often answers prayers. Number one, he'll sometimes give us an affirmative yes. That's what we all like. When we pray for something, it's like a genie in a bottle. Like, Lord, I want this. I got it. The second way a lot of times is a no. And then the third way, which a lot of us don't like, is wait. So God often answers it in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. And you heard me say this last week. Sometimes when we get that no, we're hurting in the moment, but we're appreciating it later. For those who were here last week, I said, 
in my high school days and in my college days, I thought I met my wife two or three or four times. But I'm glad, and she's watching my live stream right now, I'm glad that that wasn't one of the ones and that I found you. Y'all can clap it up right there. I'm clapping. I'm happy. But the reality is, what if Elijah, when he asked God to kill him, he would have killed him? What if Job, when he was going through problems, would have asked God to kill him and God answered his prayer? The thing is, we don't always know what's best for us. We have to yield to God's timing. And not only the yes or the no, but even in the wait, sometimes we have to just understand that delay is not denial. That he has a process that he's taking you through. That he has something that he's actually forming in you if you can be patient, if you can actually walk with him. So here's the thing. What we often mean by answered prayer is that God said yes. Unanswered are no and wait. And what I want us to know right here is that God wants you to pray. He hears you when you pray. But our mindset about prayers being answered can be skewed if answered prayer is only qualified by the things that he says yes and no to. See, our response to prayer can be off if we're only looking for the yes. And what God wants us to know is that we cannot dismiss what his response is when it's not how we see it coming in our lives. One of the reasons that I believe that we often don't see this kind of balance in prayer is that when people pray for stuff, we're only glorifying the things that he said yes to. You know those people, they've been praying for their Boaz for years. And then they get married and they were like, here, here we are. You posted on Instagram, you're doing a boomerang, you're ready to go. The person has been praying for their house, they get it and they're like, got the keys, I got the keys, the keys, the keys. You know, they got the keys, they're ready, ready. But people put that on Instagram. But what about, do they put that on Instagram when God said, no, you need to end that relationship? Does, do you put it on Instagram when he's saying, listen, you're not ready for that house. You need to go to financial peace to learn how to steward your finances before you get into that house. We don't post that. We post the things that are happy, that are joyous. But the reality is that in the multiple ways of counsel that God has for us, he wants us to have a balanced understanding of where he is. Because there used to be this saying that was said all the time, can you stand to be blessed? And people were like, oh yeah, I can stand to be blessed. Try me, Lord. But what I want to ask you is, can you stand to be told no? Can you stand to be told to wait? So as we're walking through this, I want to make something abundantly clear. That God wants us to have confidence that he wants to answer our prayers. If you're writing a note down, I know that's super simple, but I want you to write it down that God wants to answer my prayer. Because if we don't realize it, we'll just hear me talking and we'll be in this place and we'll leave and we'll say, okay, I still don't know if that's what he wants for me. Watch this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. Let's hear what John had to say about prayer. He gives us a model. He says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me put a semicolon right there. Before I even go further, the first thing that we need to understand when it comes to prayer and effective prayer is that we have to take it through the filter of Jesus Christ. That if we have not first operated with him as our Lord and Savior, our prayers cannot make it to God because he's the one that delivers our prayers. So right here in this room, there are some people that have come in here today and said, I want the blessings of God, but you also have to give God and give Jesus your heart. It goes on to say, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, read this part with me, according to his will. 
Come on, say that one more time. According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So let me break that scripture down to us real quick. I'm going to break it down in three little ways right, right now. Number one, submit to Jesus. Number two, we need to act according to his will. And what we must know is that his will is found in his word. Because the reality is so many people are asking for God to speak to them in an audible voice. And he's saying, listen, I know I can read the Bible to you on you version, but you need to open up my word so that I can actually tell you what I want to tell you. And as you look at both of those, the third thing is that we have to have confidence that we will have what we have asked as long as it's in his will. So what I want to let us know is that this actually is stated so affirmatively. The reason why this can actually have so much confidence and we can have confidence in the scripture is because God has a track record. God has a track record even back to the book of Exodus with the children of Israel where they were in oppression, where they were going through things. And God showed us something right here because he wanted us to know, yes, you might be going through something. Yes, you might have desires. Yes, you might have need of my direction. And I want to hear you, but you have to do something. In Exodus chapter 3, it says this. It says in verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And hear this very closely. I have heard them crying out. I want you to circle that. If you're taking notes, screenshot it, whatever you need to do, edit it, put a circle around crying out. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. See, there is something about the cry of our hearts. And I want you to pay close attention. That C-R-Y. There is something about the cry in our hearts of God's people that causes him as a good father to stop, to listen, and respond. I want to tell you, God wants to stop when you cry out. He wants to listen to you. And he doesn't want to stop there. He wants to respond. But here's the thing. I remember when I was growing up, when I would go ask my parents for something, if I would go in there, you know, with an attitude and saying I'm entitled to this, they would send me away and tell me to start over and come back and ask again. What they would do is they would say, come back when you know how to talk to me. I got some of those parents in here, some of those kids that experience that. Come back when you get some sense. Because what would happen is they would send me away and teach me how to come with the right posture. Come with a posture of humility saying please and thank you. And what many of us do, we go to God, again, we're barking things out. Some of us are operating in entitlement. But God is saying, there's a way that I want to respond to you, but you need to shift the way you're talking to me. So as we walk through this, my parents taught me to come in the right posture. And if we're going to be a people who pray in such a way that God hears us and responds and gives us answers, we have to come to him in the right posture. So write this down. The right posture is that we have to have a cry of our hearts unto God. We have to have a cry of our hearts unto God. What does this mean? This is not just this philosophy that I'm talking about. This is something, and I'm going to give you a little bit of an acronym because I want us to remember this very easily. When we talk about God wanting to hear the cry of our hearts, we start with a C. And that C says that God responds to a clean heart. God responds to a clean heart. We talked about this last week where we prayed, search me, O God. Show me any unclean thing on the inside of me. Because what I do when he shows me these unclean things really dictates how I'm able to walk in my next step with him. 
If he's telling you to do something and you're like, okay, I know, God, I need to change that. I know that's something I'm holding unforgiveness. I know it's something you want me to ship and you're not doing it. We really maybe shouldn't expect him to answer our prayers because we haven't done what he told us to do first. Because as we walk through this, I must know and I must cry out like David, God created me a clean heart. Show me the way that I should go. Renew a right spirit in me. Because when we do this, we lead to 1 John chapter 3. It says this in verse 22, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the thing that pleases him. The thing that pleases God is when we come to him open and saying, God, you can change me. The thing that pleases God is when we come to him and saying, I'm not just giving you words because I just want to fill up time. I'm coming to you because I expect to respond in the way you want me to respond, and I want to change. So as we walk through this, here's the key for us that John is saying, I will receive from God what I ask when I clean my heart. So right there, something has just come into your mind that you need to shift, that you've been thinking about this week. And I want you to watch this. Listen, Miles Monroe says it like this. He says, prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. Prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. What that means is that the license equals permission to move. Permission to move. When we have that prayer, when we go to God in prayer, we're saying, Lord, I want to give you permission to move into this situation in my life. But I don't want to stop there. Here's the next part. But obedience is the gas that drives the car. You can get a license. You can be willing and ready and able to move and drive this car. But if you don't have any gas in the car, it's just going to sit there. So prayer is the license for God to interfere, but obedience is what actually moves God through these situations. I got one clap over there because they're like, I don't want to be obedient. And here's the thing. It's not about us being so emotional about what we're doing. What we're saying is that we have to get some things in order. Some of us have been asking God, asking God, asking God, you know, will you move? He said yes to some things, and then some of us, he answered us very clearly, but his answer was no. For some of us, he told us no five years ago. But what you've been doing is going back begging him, saying, do you change your mind? Can you reconsider? And he's like, no means no. I still said no because I want to teach you something in this, and I want to take you a different way. So here it is. Listen to this. Write this down. Unanswered prayer begins with the assumption that just because I asked for it, that God is obligated to do it. Unanswered prayer starts with the assumption that just because I asked for it, no matter what it is, that God is actually supposed to do it. And that's not the way he works. I want to even kind of get into the lives of some people in here right now. We're all, all my married men in the house, you're going to raise your hand at me real quick. Don't be scared. Married man in the house, I want to ask you a question. If you've been actually walking and saying God's not answering your prayers, if you've been kind of wondering, okay, I've been spending time with the Lord, I'm in my small groups, I'm reading my Bible, but I don't feel like God is hearing me, I want to ask you, how's your honor life? How's your honor life? How's your honor game? What I mean by that is are you honoring the woman that God gave you or are you doing things that dishonor still hoping that God will bypass that and still speak to you? Here's the thing, and the, the scripture say it like this in 1 Peter chapter 3. We don't want to deal with this much, but it says, You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, let me put it in there, physically, 
For some of y'all that are like, I'm stronger than my husband. <laughs> you, <laughs> you may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers shall not be hindered. So what that means very practically is you can't be having an emotional or a physical affair at work while you're still asking God to bless your business. Let me make it even more simple. You can't be on your way to church talking to your wife any type of way. You got an attitude with her, you're talking down. And as soon as you get out the car, you know, the greeter he sees you like, oh, blessed and highly favored, sir. How are you? Welcome to Victory Midtown. Because God is not about honoring people in front of people. It's about honoring when no one else sees it. And God is asking, how's our honor lives? Now, I'm not letting the women off the hook. Because some of us in here, your man has tried to change. Your man has asked for forgiveness. He has tried to shift some things, and you're still holding him to the old version of who he was. And what I want to let you know is that some of us, that offense that you have not yet released, that offense is actually causing defense to your prayers being answered. Let me say it like this. Some of y'all have been shooting your shot, throwing prayers up, and God is like the Kimbe Matumbo, like, nope. No, no, no. I can't hear you unless you forgive. I can't hear you because you're still holding them back. And that goes for people in relationships and friendships or whatever it is. We have to make sure that we're not still holding people back thinking that God still is going to hear our prayers. Amen? So here's the thing. My obedience positions me to have a clean heart. And God is saying, be obedient to my word because here's the reality. God may be saying back to us, why should I listen to your words when you're not listening to my words? Why should I listen to you when I've told you some things that you're not receiving? Which takes us to that second letter in the acronym, which is R. R. R stands for reliant heart. Reliant heart. Let me say it like this. God responds to a reliant heart. Reliant means to depend on someone or something. And as we look at this, kids are relying on their parents for food and shelter. We are relying on the police to keep order and to keep us safe, just like the police are relying on the government. Being reliant is about being dependent on someone else or something. And here's a secret. Here's a test of reliance. If you can do something without taking it to God, you're out there on your own and you don't need him and you're not being reliant on him. Let me say it like this. If you're praying prayers that are so small that you can do it on your own, God's not really in that. Because until you can pray a dangerous prayer, until you can pray a prayer that's bigger than what you can do in your own strength, you're not inviting God into the circumstance. And some of us have been playing it too small for too long. So as we walk through this, here's the test of your reliance. A, do you even ask God? You might be wondering, what do you mean by that? Are you praying or are you complaining internally? Praying is saying, Lord, I'm inviting you into this situation. Complaining is like, I'm just keeping it in my head and I'm just upset about what's not happening. Because James 4 says, it says, we have not because what? We have not because we ask not. So we can't expect results from prayer that we haven't offered up. And I believe one of the main reasons that our prayers are not answered is because we are not actually praying. Listen to this. F.B. Meyer said it like this. Hear this. It says, the greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayers, but unoffered prayers. 
The greatest tragedy in life is not that God is not answering prayers. The greatest tragedy is that you haven't even offered this up to me. So I kind of, when I was reading this, I kind of saw God like he was just sitting at a desk, kind of like, you know, twiddling his thumbs like, I'm waiting on you to employ me. I'm waiting to work for you. I'm waiting to move on your behalf. But yes, I can read your mind, but I want you to give me license to move into this situation. So this week, some of us are going to have to slow down and revisit some things that we've been complaining about internally and start to say, God, I'm inviting you into this hard situation. I'm inviting you into something that I need you to move in that's far bigger than what I can do in my own strength. Which takes me to the B clause of that reliant heart. If we do ask, many times what we do is we ask with selfish motives. So just like we talked about last week about checking our motives, we have to ask, why do I want what I want? Because James 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. But then it goes on to say, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. You ask because you want to flex. You ask because you want to shine. You ask because you want someone to see that, look, I made it in spite of what you did. No, that's not the way we should ask. We should ask with the right motives so that our pleasures are not being fulfilled, but God's will is being fulfilled. And as we look at this, what we, what we grab from it is that I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask God to bless us. But what I am asking is that we need to start reevaluating our motives for why we want the blessing that we're asking for. Because here's the thing. If we want the goodness of God more than we want the gift of God, we have our, our qualities mixed up. And God is saying, don't be so concerned with my hand that you miss what's actually in my heart. Don't be so concerned with but asking me a question and getting something from me when I'm trying to do something in you. So as we're walking through this, here it is. If I'm having a reliant heart, I'm checking, am I asking? I'm asking, am I asking it with the right motives? And I'm asking, here it is, am I even asking in faith? Am I asking in faith or am I just throwing it up there hoping something happens? Follow me on this. James chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. It says, when you ask, you must what? Come on, church. When you ask, you must what? You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. How many of us, we've asked something from God, but you're really not, you're really not offering up in faith. You ask something from God, but you really don't feel you deserve it. What I believe is that some of us would actually be shocked if God actually answered the prayers that we've been praying. Some of us would be, you know, he would say, okay, I'm going to pray for this. And if it shows up, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Because we haven't done it with faith with an expectant heart. And he's saying, change your heart. Change your posture. When you pray, expect that I'm going to move in it. Because here it is. Faith is not just believing that God has the ability to do it. Faith is not just that God can. Faith is what? It's that God will. And until we come to him boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, we won't be able to walk in what we have. Now, it's been a couple of weeks, I think, for this particular crowd that I've gotten to lean in. And I need y'all to lean in for me on this one. Come on, all the way in the back. I see you comfortable back there. All the way in the back. Lean in, lean in. The reason why it's so important for us to understand that prayer has to be mixed with faith is because I want you to do something. I want you to touch yourself. Touch yourself. I want you to know that each and every one of you 
you are an answer to prayer in faith. Each and every one of you, you are an answer to prayer in faith. What do I mean by that? When we set up these chairs in the morning, there's nobody sitting in them. But we're praying you into it with faith that you would show up. For some of you, every morning at corporate prayer with our staff meetings, we've been praying that the lost be found. And some of you were prayed in here. You were lost, and now you're found. For some of you, we prayed you in because we've been praying for people that have a heart for the city and that want to actually change and have a heart of service for the city. And you're right here because we prayed you in. For some of us in here, we've been praying for those who have the spirit of leadership, who can actually make a change in Midtown Atlanta for the kingdom of God. And I want you to know, touch yourself one more time. You're an answer to prayer. See, when I pray in the morning, when we pray as a team in the morning, we're not sitting here praying just thinking, okay, oh God, God, if they show up, that's okay. No, we're saying we want them to come because we want to equip for a change for the kingdom. So when your answer shows up, expect that your answer is going to show up, even if it shows up in a way that you weren't expecting what do I mean by that? This is for somebody right here. Some of us have been praying. I'm going to look on this side of the room. Some of us have been praying. We've been praying for a mate for years. And God has sent you two or three good husbands. And because they don't look like what you thought they were going to look like, you're giving them the Heisman. If you can't say amen, say ouch. It's real in the field. It's hard, but it's fair. Some of us, we've been looking for a financial breakthrough, but when God presents a class of stewardship, now you're like, oh, I don't want that, because that's the answer to your prayer, because sometimes prayer is answered in the process. And many of us don't want the process. So as we're walking through this, I want us to open our minds. I want us to shift from just receiving something one way, asking God to, to hear what I'm saying, then do it how I want you to do it. Because as we walk through this, God has greater things that he wants to show us, which takes us to that third letter in the acronym, that Y, which is a yielded heart. A yielded heart. He wants a clean heart. He wants a reliant heart. But most of all, he needs a yielded heart. And here it is. Listen to this. God responds to a yielded heart. A yielded heart is a heart that submits to God. It's a heart that follows God even when it doesn't make sense to me. A yielded heart is a heart that follows God even when it doesn't make sense to me. It's a heart that says yes, even when it hurts. God, I'm going to say yes to you even though this is uncomfortable for me. God, I'm going to say yes to you even though I'm not used to this environment that you're placing me in. I know that there's something in it for me and I'm going to say yes. In order to yield, what we have to do is we have to come to grips. Listen to this, that God knows better than we do. We have to come to grips that God knows far beyond what we can fathom in our minds. And here it is. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, I'm going to read it from the message here. It says, I don't think the way you think. This is God talking to us, y'all. So hear me in my God voice. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree says, for as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. See, some of us have been so short-sighted trying to make God fit in our, in our box. We've been asking God to bless our mess. 
We've been asking God to get into the form of what's comfortable for me. But he's saying, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You need to start yielding to me. And Jesus, what he did, he showed us a model of this. We've heard the scripture before, but I'm going to read it for us because Jesus wanted to show us that even me being God, I still have to submit my, yield to the, my, my will to the Father. So as we're looking at this and we're talking about prayer, Jesus modeled this for us in Luke chapter 22, verse 41. He says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Here's the key word. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then, once he said that, an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. A couple keys in that scripture right there. Jesus could have gone a different way. He could have died a different way. As a matter of fact, he didn't have to die altogether. He could have actually summoned legions of angels to his call. But what he did is he actually had to model in front of the disciples and he had to model for us that there are some things that I only can go this way to get the result that I'm going to get. Jesus said, I don't want to do something that's going to give me the lesser value from what I'm going to go through. And as we're asking God to answer our prayers, he's asking us, are you willing to go through what it takes? He's asking us, yes, you've prayed to me. Yes, you've asked me some things. Yes, you said, I want to have this new business, but are you willing to go through the agony that it's going to take for people to now see you in my glory? Or are you going to stop before the story even gets started? As we're walking through this, many of us have taken the path of less resistance. And the nevertheless says, I might not understand why I have to go through this. But God, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I'm here to tell you because somebody's in this, in this room is struggling right now with some decisions that you've been praying about, that God is answering your call, and you have to now say, God, I'm going to submit my will. And I got good news for you, just like it says in the scripture. When you submit your will to his, then an angel comes and ministers to you. When you submit your will to his and you say, not my will, but your will can be done, no matter what it looks like, God sends his grace to you like a river. But if you never accept the call that he has on you, and you're always looking for the path of least resistance, we will never walk in the fullness of what he has for us. As I'm thinking about this and as I was preparing, I was thinking about something that I wanted to just share with you. It's something that's very near and dear to my heart. My wife has shared it in a smaller setting. But I want to share this because what I don't want you to leave out of here thinking is that God is like a genie in a bottle. And if I just kind of rub it the right way, he's just going to do all these things and I'm never going to be disappointed. Even in prayer, even when we do all that we need to do, there are still times where we get disappointed. But when we're disappointed, the key is to make sure that even though we can't trace God's hand in something, that we never lose sight of his heart for us. So as I was thinking about this, I remember several years ago, even when Kendra and I were first dating, one of the things that we used to do, we would walk around Atlantic Station and we would talk about our family of how when we got married, we wanted to extend our family. I've always wanted a little mo running around wearing a little vest. 
And we would have these conversations and we would talk about it. And we'd say, okay, when we get married, man, God is going to do such great things. We're going to expand our family. And then when we got married, she conceived. I was excited. I was super excited. I, I was that guy telling everybody. And what happened is that in that time, I was traveling a lot. I was a lot, around a lot of some of the high-profile preachers and pastors from all over the world, the ones who had prayer ministries and crusades with thousands of people. And I had the privilege of having moments where when they saw us and when I told them that we were pregnant, they would lay hands on us. They would pray for us. I must have had more prayer for that baby than any baby in the earth. But even with all that prayer, I remember when we went to the doctor for what was a routine visit. And we went to the doctor for that routine visit. And I remember when the nurse said, hold on, let me go get the doctor. For those of you who don't know, you don't want to hear a nurse saying, hold on, let me go get the doctor. And when she came back, the doctor came in and they told us, we're finding some problems. We're finding some challenges. We have like two or three things that are actually going on that will actually not allow this baby to come into the earth. In that moment, we were devastated because everybody prayed. Everybody had faith. We had faith. I'm doing the Lord's work. And in that moment, I remember being crushed because I couldn't understand what was going on because I asked God to kiss me. I was intimate with him. I asked God to search me. I was doing those things. I said, Lord, answer me. Why is this happening? And I'm sharing this story with you because as we go through this journey of faith, some of us will not understand the pain of certain processes that God still wants to find glory through even when you don't get it in the moment. And I remember all throughout that day, I was strong for my wife. I don't think I shed a tear. I was the one kind of like, you know, holding everything up because she was going through so much. We had to have a procedure at the hospital. That was going all bad according to what we didn't want to have to go through that day. And I remember getting home. And when I got home, not until I got on the phone with my dad and he asked me how I was doing and I let out a huge cry. I let out a huge sound. And I told him, I, I just don't understand. I don't feel what's going on. I, I can't really fathom why God would do this or why he would allow this. But let me tell you something. When I cried, when I came clean, when I said, God, I'm only going to be able to rely on you in this moment because I don't have the strength to walk through this. When I said, Lord, I don't get this, but I'm yielding to you. I'm yielding to your will, not my will. That's when I started to feel the presence of God come back on me. That's when his answer actually came to me in his presence. And this is for somebody in the room. You may be praying some things. You might not understand the ins and outs of prayers. But I want to let you know, when you cannot feel God, understand that he still wants to hear your cry. When you cannot feel God, when you cannot make sense of certain things, understand that he wants you to let him in. Because there's something that he wants to teach you in the process. And what I've learned is I've learned that even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he's still with me. I'm still walking in joy. I'm still walking in strength. We're still looking to plan our family. And we declare that we shall have that little baby moment coming forth as a promise of God. Come on, put your hands together for that as a vote of faith. So here's the thing. 
We're going to close a little bit differently today, something that we have been trying to do the last couple of weeks because we don't want to just preach these things and then not practice what we're talking about. I want to let you know something before we take a moment of self-reflection. There's a quote from St. Teresa of Avila. She says this, Every difficulty in prayer comes from one fatal flaw, and that is of praying as if God was absent. And I'm here today to deliver some mail to some people in the room that have been questioning your prayer life. They've been questioning, does God hear you? I want you to know that he's right there, that his presence is there, and he does want to answer you. And he's going to show you and walk you through these journeys. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a moment. Because some of us need to actually pray to God again because we've given up on prayer. Some of us need to leave time and say, Lord, answer me. I'm, I'm giving my heart to you. I'm opening myself to, up to you. And I want to hear what you have to say to me because I now have confidence that you want to answer. So if you'll bow your heads for a moment. In this next moment, I want you to go through these steps in your mind and in your spirit. I want you to clean your heart. I want you to ask God, clean my heart right now. Let me make sure I'm not inhibiting anything that you want to say to me and what you want to do. I want you to say to the Lord during this moment, Lord, I rely on you. And then I want you to say, Lord, I'm yielded to you. So she's going to sing this song, but I want you to hear it and let it minister to you. And in the moment, listen for his answer because he does want to answer you. declaration and this prayer over you to understand that God is here to hear your cry and to answer you the Bible says in Psalms chapter 27 hear O Lord when I cry with my voice 
Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Here it is. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, victory, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. With your heads bowed right now, some of us have been calling out to God, and we've been waiting on an answer. And for some of us in the room, the answer is that I am your father, and that you are my child, and that you're forgiven. There's some people that came into this room today, you were unclear about what it looked like to walk in salvation or even to walk into a relationship with God. And right now, I want to let you know, just like the scriptures say, you have an opportunity to make that connection with God through Jesus Christ, to have your sins forgiven and to have your prayers answered. If you're in here all over the room with our heads bowed, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to say, Lord, I need you as my Lord and Savior, I want you just to lift one of your hands up to me in the air. see those hands all over. I see them. Let's pray this prayer together, Victory. Let's usher our new believers into the kingdom. Let's say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for being an answered prayer before I knew to pray. Right now, I repent, which means I turn away from my old ways and I turn towards your way and I yield to you. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Change me and help me to live for you. It's in Jesus' name that I am saved and redeemed. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those who just gave their lives to Jesus? Come on, Victory Midtown. Can we put our hands together? Several people just heard an answer to prayer and they gave their lives to Jesus. Listen, I'm excited as we're continuing to go through this series. I'm excited that every week we're building and we're doing something different to make sure that we're equipping so that we can walk in the fullness of God's presence. I love you, Victory. God bless you.